It's now time to bring on Jerry Jones, owner and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. And look, Jerry, you, you came into this month uh, coming off a win at Minnesota. You're at 6-1. and one. You're looking ahead to three of the next four games at home with three of those teams at 500 or worse. And now 1-3, can you... Give us your level of frustration with what has transpired with this group over the last three weeks. Well, I've quickly gone to uh, what uh, we all should be doing for the most part on Thanksgiving, and I'm looking at the uh, uh, best parts of where we sit. Uh, I'm very disappointed that we uh, these last four ball games uh, have uh, evolved the way we have. On the other hand, I'm going directly to how things look as we get into the last six games and hopefully into the playoffs. Uh, You have to look forward. Yesterday's is dead as Napoleon. It's gone. And so we have to look at how to improve. And the sky is not falling. Uh, When you look at the six games ahead that we have, the Calvary is coming. Uh, we've got to take a deep breath and remember that when this time of year is normally when you're dealing with attrition, you normally are dealing with a, uh, a, a depleted situation in your personnel. Here we come with fresh legs and a healthy Randy Gregory, DeMarcus Lawrence, uh, to go along with Michael Parsons to create some problems for the offenses that we're going to play. And they're right, they're coming in quickly. We've got Gallimore that uh, uh, should uh, possibly have been a starter from day one for us and uh, that we've got coming in. And I'm talking about on the defense now. Uh, we've had a lot of young guys play. And I'm not just trying to arm wave, but they have played and got a lot of reps in. They'll be a lot better for it as we get on into uh, the last uh, six games. So I do see... Uh, the the ingredients for improvement now names uh, but more than names but you gotta you've gotta really uh, make sure that we realize uh, where our shortcomings are uh, and I believe uh, very candidly that those are so obvious we went into that game yesterday to put pressure on that quarterback he's outstanding when he's not pressured. And uh, while uh, uh, we had uh, uh, some pressure uh, from time to time with Parsons uh, and and some from the interior, we just didn't get the kind of pressure you have to get on him. We went into that game wanting to uh, run uh, uh, with our running game uh, being a dominant part of it, and we didn't get to get that done. I see ways that we can get it done because the better we play on defense, the more opportunities it will give us on offense. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about it a little today, and I brought up the fact that the last two Super Bowl winning teams had gone through stretches in the season that were somewhat similar to what you've had over the last three weeks. How much of that uh, will you try or or will Mike McCarthy maybe try to instill in this group where you are moving forward? Well, I think that uh, I can remember a Thanksgiving game that uh, uh, Leon Lett, one of my favorite people, Coach Leon Lett for us, uh, but we were on Thanksgiving Day and play in Miami. He slid through the end zone and inexplicably hit the ball. It goes out. They beat us. And uh, it looked like the sky had fallen, and we won the Super Bowl. 
And so uh, uh, certainly a win like yesterday is disappointing. I mean, a loss like yesterday is very disappointing. And don't want to take anything away from uh, the Raiders. They basically uh, took advantage of what the situation was, and we didn't. But still, uh, when you look uh, at uh, really deep down how we're going to approach New Orleans, how we're going to approach two games with Washington, Philadelphia, the Giants, and then look at Arizona, uh, we've got uh, we've got some good options and can win. Uh, those games and not one of them that we're not capable of winning. Well, that's a uh, that th- that really in the NFL where no one expects to go undefeated. Everyone understands how even these teams can be, especially personnel-wise. Uh, the wild card is usually availability, uh, the injury factor. Uh, we look good there on the injury factor at this point. Jerry Jones with us here on 105.3 The Fan. Jerry, one of the big stories yesterday, the penalties. And I got a a bigger picture question as far as the pass interferences are concerned, not necessarily specific to yesterday. But when I watch the NFL every week, there are inevitably games that I don't want to say are decided by a big pass interference call, but significantly impacted. It's the most impactful penalty this sport has. Uh, I know it's not easy for referees to, to officiate uh, that particular interaction between a defensive player and a receiver. I'm curious from your perspective if there are things the league can do moving forward this offseason and beyond to have a, a, a better way of adjudicating such a game-changing penalty, whether it is reevaluating the review that seemed to fail a couple years ago, having different levels of pass interference, uh, which is something Brad Sham brought up earlier, or do you just have to leave it as is? It just seems like it's such a big penalty, and it is called so inconsistently week to week. Well, look at the overview. The the um, uh, thing that is always hovering over is do you want more offense uh, or do you want to uh, help the defense in terms of the game, how you want the game? Uh, the, the, the game itself... I think has never ever been more entertaining since the 30 years I've been involved uh, with the uh, w- in the NFL, and uh, this has always been uh, the topic, if you will, about how to structure the penalties that we have right now and how they're called. Frankly, were on the books when I came into the league. All they did was enforce. All we're doing is enforce them. It's always been that you couldn't touch a receiver after five yards down the field. It was just called differently. Remember the old baseball uh, behind the plate umpires were talking, and one says when it's a strike, uh, he said, cuts that corner. He said, I call it a strike. I call it. And the other one looked at him and said, when the ball comes through there, no matter where it is, if it's a strike or a ball, it's up to me. I call it. And so there's no such thing as it. Uh, it's how we call it. And the uh, yesterday we had a game that probably will have more viewers than, uh, than any game other than the Super Bowl. And uh, that game was, uh, frankly, uh, decided. It really wasn't biased, but it was decided by an understanding of how the game was going to be called. 
And when you realize that that ball uh, uh, was probably going to get a pass interference call when it goes down the field with any contact at all, there are games where they're bumping and grabbing and doing all kinds of things, and those aren't called. That's a part of the nuances of, of uh, uh, basically making adjustments. Uh, I can sit here with you, and we can change some of those uh, uh, key things out on detail, and I'll assure you we'll be going over ad nauseum. Uh, uh, Stephen is on the uh, – my son Stephen is on the competition committee, and they'll take this issue – and they will do look at literally now thousands of plays and come up with how to go forward with the idea in mind, uh, how much do we want to uh, move the game uh, as to uh, being able to have uh, uh, plays, have scoring, uh, really have the scoring be where we want it to be in the league. You have to have, usually in a drive, you have to have a, a play of 20 yards or more. Those big plays are a big element. You can't have usually a penalty that uh, is five yards or more, uh, ten yards. That usually sets you back. Those are facts. Well, if you create those big 20-yard plays by just throwing that ball downfield and you're likely to get a penalty, that's the way to play the game for that, for that group of officials. Uh, it's, it's just a... It's just something that will always be a subject when we uh, when we're trying to look at how the game goes forward. You know, on a, on our uh, offensive line, for instance, years ago we let those tackles put a foot back. It used to be the tackles had to you had to have your feet both of them right on the line of scrimmage. Now you can line up at an angle. Well, that really assists the tackles in protecting the quarterback. We did that for better offense. We did it to protect the quarterback. Jerry, I know that the game is not ever boiled down to one play, uh, but one of the things we've discussed this morning, that third and 18 pass interference seemed like perhaps that was a situation where that particular defensive play call uh, didn't make a ton of sense with one safety as opposed to two being in man as opposed to zone. I'm not sure how much time you've had to maybe evaluate that particular play and discuss it with the coaching staff or not, but did you feel like that play call in that third and 18 situation put the defense and specifically maybe Anthony Brown in the best position to succeed? Yeah, since we got the call, uh, then that's logical. Uh, but play back, play soft, and uh, try to hold them in that, uh, try to hold them uh, within that 18 yards. Uh, that was uh, uh, especially the way the game was being called. You can second-guess that call. Okay. Yeah, curious on that because, you know, what we see on the television end of it or whether you're in the stadium and seeing how the game is played out, you know, having man coverage is allowing you to maybe come after the quarterback. Was it maybe a frustration uh, on your end that uh, what you have seen from this group and getting after the quarterback wasn't as effective yesterday? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, on play calling, defensively or offensively, uh, different play callers, uh, some are more emotional than others, the play callers. And some uh, will take uh, 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 what's happening to them, and they will react uh, sometime with less logic and more, more uh, uh, emotion. 
and you say, well, I don't want that guy flying the ship for me. Well, yes, you do. Uh, those are the kinds of things, uh, the human element of this thing, that's making the game the great game that it is. And, uh, for instance, before a game, you will see uh, data on the coordinator or the play caller and his history of what happens when he gets hit by a big play, then he will loosen up or he will tighten up. And it's an emotional thing, not necessarily the thing that statistically makes the most sense. And so uh, you've got a chess game going on here between the personalities of play callers. Now, what's my point? My point is that uh, uh, those nuances that are going on out there in the right defense, right offense, it's not just execution. It is scheme. And sometimes the scheme is, t- is dictated by the uh, uh, personal personal characteristics of the play callers. Hey, Jerry, one of the things we we discussed earlier was that the loss yesterday is going to make it very difficult for the Cowboys to come away with the top seed in the NFC. And this year where only one team gets a bye, perhaps there's there's more of a delineation between the first and second seed. And that doesn't yeah. guarantee anything. But I, the other thing we talked about is the, the parity perhaps in the NFC. And I, I don't know if you've watched – uh, so closely that you uh, have your own power rankings, but is there a particular NFC team that strikes you as one that might present the biggest challenge, or how would you assess the NFC at this point and some of the teams that could stand in the way of where the Cowboys want to ultimately go? Well, I'm going to uh, make my comments based on uh, really this place we find ourselves, uh, uh, maybe like you would if you were looking at Tampa this time last year, who ended up being world champions. Uh, you might not have picked Tampa in your top four or five last year at this juncture. There is a lot to be determined here on the uh, strength of these teams. Uh, I think the number one thing is the availability of your players uh, and key players, Uh, people that, uh, I mean, teams that lose their quarterback, obviously, between now and the playoffs and in uh, that area are going to be more handicapped and should. I don't know which ones those are going to be, if any. But you can go right down through the positions and make that. I think that's the single most important ingredient is what personnel you have available when you get to the playoffs. And uh, obviously how you're playing um, invariably through the course of a season. Uh, teams get uh, shut down in what they were doing well uh, weeks earlier. And that's a part of the journey or the uh, competition of the game. And so uh, you'll have a team doing something right now that will begin to do something else. Uh, They'll start gelling. They'll get some personnel back. And uh, I could answer your question then when we played those last, maybe those last two games of the regular season. It's a moving, it's a moving target, completely uh, legitimate to be sitting here talking about which ones have uh, uh, would you would uh, try to avoid in the playoffs. You can do that, but you've got to realize that's going to change. Invariably, it will definitely change. Last thing, Jerry. A lot of people have asked us about C.D. Lamb, and I think you might have addressed this yesterday, but I know not everyone was able to to hear or read what you said. But what could you walk us through why C.D. Lamb was, I guess, apparently cleared but ultimately did not play and, and why that was the best decision for him 
uh, in the short and long term? Everything uh, that CD uh, uh, showed, if you will, his symptoms, uh, his uh, play practice, everything passed our uh, trainers and our doctor's protocol. Uh, there is a third part. There is a third input, and it's a arm's length protocol, uh, and that's what he didn't pass. The third, uh, and that's a medical person, a doctor, and uh, he looked at it and advised that he not play. Jerry, we know uh, you're very proud with uh, what the organization and what you've all been able to do with Salvation Army and everything that uh, transpired that leads up to Thanksgiving and into the holiday season. Uh, To you and yours, happy Thanksgiving and congratulations on that level of success despite the loss yesterday. I want to thank, it has been 25 years since we took the red kettle that in its own way is a part of America and that the Salvation Army has been using as an extra bump in what the Salvation Army does as Santa Claus. And we put that on television and attached it to that game. Well, uh, yesterday, maybe as many as 60 or 70 million people were reminded about what the Salvation Army does in their community. Tremendous asset, bigger than I could have ever dreamed. It has evolved and really made a huge huge contribution to raising $3 billion over the last 25 years. That's the power of that television. It is truly remarkable. Thank you so much, Jerry. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, guys.